He gave a speech in April of 1961 where he talked about a monolithic global conspiracy. He said the very word secrecy is repugnant to Americans, and he called this out. And in a world of the Bohemian Grove in California where the elitists meet and uh, in a world of the Skull and Bones Society based out of Yale University, this ruffled the feathers of many people that JFK rubbed shoulders with. Why would the deep state want to kill John F. Kennedy, the president of the United States of America, 60 years ago? Well, welcome to Conversations That Matter. I am your host, Alex Newman, senior editor at The New American Magazine. We have a very special guest joining us today to talk about this, Andrew Muller. He is a contributor to The New American Magazine. He's been in the freedom fight for a long time. He used to lead the uh, St. Louis Teen Eagles. Uh, uh, the youth wing of uh, Phyllis Schlafly's organization. Uh, he's a great American, uh, highly educated, uh, homeschooled, obviously, and uh, it's an honor to have him on the program. He's also a contributor to the New American Magazine, and he's got a great article in the latest issue. Uh, it is the JFK Special Report for the 60th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Uh, Andrew, it's great to have you here. Um, Let's start at the beginning. Why would the deep state, and the special issue is called JFK assassination and the deep state, why would the deep state want to take out John F. Kennedy? I mean, by some uh, measures, he was one of the more liberal presidents that we had had in America. I mean, today he'd be viewed as a, a radical right-wing conservative firebrand, but you know, back then he was considered to be pretty liberal. Why would the deep state hate him so much? Well, really, Alex, it comes down to this, that Kennedy was a disappointment. And he wasn't a disappointment necessarily to the American people, maybe to some he was, but he was a disappointment to the establishment. Uh, and as this November, we uh, observe the 60th anniversary of John F. Kennedy's death, um, I think that question still sticks with us, was why was Kennedy killed? And, and this is why I think Kennedy was a disappointment to the establishment. He didn't play by the rules. He was a little bit of a, a Trump-like personality, not in the necessarily policy stance, but in the uncontrollable stance. He was extremely popular president. Uh, he did not necessarily come from the same background as Donald Trump did. His family was very involved in politics, and he himself was a politician. But I think we can sum up why the deep state wanted to attack Kennedy in this, was that he wasn't progressive enough. He wasn't globalist enough. He might have been those things a little bit, but he wasn't to the extreme uh, that the deep state would have hoped. Taylor Caldwell, who was an author uh, during the 1960s, mostly wrote fiction books, but uh, she was herself a conservative. And she was very interested in the topic of communism and what we would call the deep state uh, in America and abroad. And she wrote that uh, she was studying some different communist pamphlets. She was going to some different communist meetings. And she reflected that Kennedy for the deep staters was supposed to come in and bring this neo-Marxist revolution and overthrow Americanism and constitutionalism. And he was disappointing them uh, because he did not do that. Actually, he was doing things that was very pro-America, especially by today's slightly warped standards, because we're so far removed from uh, pro-America politicians that anybody who says, you know what, maybe we should have a border or, you know what, maybe we shouldn't go and bomb every other country. Uh, you know, that's seen as pro-America. This is very basic, you know, constitutional, rational thought. But John F. Kennedy really did three things that, in my opinion, uh, made him an enemy of the deep state. The first, which was probably the, the most significant, uh, was that he wanted to dissolve the CIA. And uh, there's a very famous quote that uh, Bobby Kennedy and now R.F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, have attributed and, and 
given to Kennedy where they say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that uh, right after the Bay of Pigs and the firing of Alan Dulles, Kennedy said, I am going to shatter the CIA and scatter the pieces to the winds. And he did indeed start to do this. Of course, the CIA was uh, in its infancy uh, a different name. It was the OSS. And uh, that was an operation that was done during World War II. It was dissolved, turned into the CIA. There were a lot of holdovers from the OSS into the CIA. Charles Pink, who was the president of the OSS Society, uh, he wrote in a uh, opinion piece, or not an opinion piece, a, a letter to the editor mm -hmm. um, in the Washington Compost, I believe, as you'd call it, <laughs> uh, that uh, responding to infiltration charges. You know what? The OSS was not infiltrated by communists. It hired them. Yeah. And this was the entity that uh, was pulling the strings behind the Bay of Pigs uh, operation. Kennedy got really messed up by that. He ended up taking the fall for the Bay of Pigs. In fact, it was an operation that was planned far before his administration began. But all that to say, he realized that it was a cloak and dagger operation, that it was a foreign policy agitator rather than a fact-finding arm of the presidency. So he endeavored to scatter it. Firing Alan Dulles was a big start to that. Of course, Dulles would later then serve on the Warren Commission uh, hmm. instituted by LBJ, which would look into his death. Kind of seems like a conflict of interest to the guy yeah, you fired and had a beef with uh, <laughs> looks over the consequences of your death. So that's number one. Number two is that he was withdrawing troops from Vietnam. Uh, the Vietnamese War uh, had a great benefit to the deep state. It benefited the deep state because it discredited America and embarrassed America. It uh, spilt tons of American blood, countless amount of American taxpayer dollars, and it really embarrassed and humiliated anti-communists in this country. Uh, so there was a benefit there. It also benefited financially, the military industrial complex, the amount of planes and uh, mm -hmm. drones and things we lost during the uh, Vietnam War. U-2 planes that would take pictures was astronomical, helicopters. thousands, helicopters. Oh, yeah. uh, many of these were based in Dallas, Texas. So Kennedy signed National Security Action Memorandum 263. Uh, and he did that in October, a month before his death in November. And uh, this ordered a initial withdrawal of 1,000 of the military advisors in Vietnam. There were 15,000. They weren't troops. They were military advisors. Uh, but he ordered that initial withdrawal. And it was going to, according to Secretary McNamara and General Maxwell Taylor, going to be a full withdrawal by the end of 64. Uh, Johnson, within a week after Kennedy's assassination, rescinded that order. And we entered Vietnam for real. And then finally, the thing that I think Kennedy did that sent him over the edge, which is not talked about often, was he had a disdain for secret societies, secret oaths, and uh, secrecy in government. He gave a speech in April of 1961 where he talked about a monolithic global conspiracy. He said the very word secrecy is repugnant to Americans. And he called this out. And in a world of the Bohemian Grove in California where the elitists meet and uh, in a world of the Skull and Bones Society based out of Yale University, this ruffled the feathers of many people that JFK rubbed shoulders with. So in summary, Alex, it's not that JFK was this conservative, this Christian, this constitutionalist that deserves our respect and admiration. I think there are admirable things about him, but it's that he wasn't controllable and he wasn't radical enough. And he started to act on that. My suspicion is he saw the sausage was made once he got in office and realized, whoa, we need to change course here a little bit. Part of that was maybe self-preservation. The other part of it was conviction. But either way, he became a target and he had to be taken out. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it's um, quite a few things he was doing that really would have ruffled feathers, like coming out against secret societies and interrupting uh, the globalist plans. It's um, 
Fascinating. Now, I, I got a question for you, Andrew. What was JFK establishment? I mean, we actually have an article in the, the special issue of the New American on uh, kind of the, the Kennedy administration was no Camelot, you know, for, for conservatives. A lot of conservatives were upset with him at the time for being um, not as conservative or constitutional as uh, maybe conservatives wish he would have been. But uh, what do you think? Was he part of the establishment? Obviously, the Kennedy family had been around for some time. Were they part of the establishment? I think the answer to that is yes, but. He was a part of the establishment in that sense that his family was deeply um, rooted in not only the mob uh, and mob money and mob politics, but they were also deeply rooted in the establishment swamp that we'd call it today. But again, the difference is, is that JFK was a free thinker. He took mob money, but he kind of played it against the mob. RFK <laughs> uh, had this whole war on organized crime, uh, the Marcello uh, led mob. He actually deported Mar Marcelo. RFK Jr. did. And Marcelo uh, was very upset about that and actually said we should have killed uh, Bobby <laughs> instead of Jack. Not necessarily saying the mob killed Kennedy. They mm. could have been a part of it. Uh, but uh, just reflecting on how this whole situation went down. So, yes, Kennedy was establishment in a sense, but he wasn't a controllable uh, figurehead. He wasn't a predictable establishment type figure and therefore he was very loose uh, very very loose and very unpredictable and uh, started to become dangerous and again to reiterate my point I think he did have a change of heart and I think it was the Bay of Pigs that changed it where he realized that there was this cloak and dagger operation and he said in the speech uh, that this conspiracy that operates uh, that he insinuated uh, operates by guerrillas by night rather than armies by day and that's kind of an on-the-nose remark uh, about the Bay of Pigs operation. So I think Kennedy was establishment, but he was a free thinker within that and therefore was a liability. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we they, they everybody in Washington, D.C. knows that um, the intelligence community has, as uh, Chucky Schumer put it, six ways from Sunday to get back at you if you cross them. And uh, there's no debate about whether John F. Kennedy crossed them. He did. Uh, he, he was furious with the CIA over the Bay of Pigs. He was furious with the CIA for a number of other reasons. I think quite properly, actually. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, absolutely terrible what happened to our country. Uh, when we get back, uh, we're going to talk about the cover up a little bit. We're going to talk about what the effect on the United States was as a whole following the, uh, the assassination. And also a little bit of what we learned during the Trump administration. He did declassify some of those documents, but not all. And, uh, Roger Stone and others have commented on that. And we'll, if we have time, we'll get into a little bit on RFK Jr. So folks stay with us. We'll be right back right here. Alex Newman, senior editor for The New American. Stay tuned. Remember when the only uncertainty in news was the weather forecast? Now, our world is clouded by half-truths, misdirection, and gaslighting. The deluge of lies from leftist activists posing as journalists is unrelenting. At The New American, we hold fast to the timeless truths of our founders. Sanctuary in the Storm. Visit thenewamerican.com today and get 25% off your subscription. Welcome back. Alex Newman here, senior editor at The New American Magazine. Our guest is Andrew Muller. Uh, he is a contributor to The New American Magazine. Uh, he also is uh, chief of operations at Liberty Sentinel. He does uh, a lot of great work, a uh, homeschooler. He uh, actually led the St. Louis Teen Eagles. So he's been uh, involved in the fight for freedom uh, for a very long time, despite his very young age. Uh, he's got a great article in 
American, if you're just joining us, about um, the assassination of John F. Kennedy and the role of the deep state. It's a very, very good article. It's a cover story. I hope people will check it out. Folks, if you're not a subscriber yet to The New American, you need to be. It is, uh, it's a great, great publication, and this special report on the Kennedy assassination is excellent. Um, going back to the assassination, Andrew, um, it, it seems clear to me that there was a cover-up. Uh, afterward, the, the Warren Commission, almost like a kangaroo court, it would have been harder to pick a more shady group of individuals to, to supposedly look into this. Uh, they concluded it was just a lone gunman, just a lone nut, nothing going on here, nothing to see here. Uh, don't worry about it. It was just uh, what the media told you it was. Um, what do you think? Was there a cover up? Um, what do you say? 100% there was a cover up. Uh, and I think that uh, we actually did write this wrong a little bit. In 1976, there was a House Select Committee on Assassinations, which was initiated by Congress, which looked into the deaths of JFK and MLK. And uh, the chairman of that uh, committee was Congressman Louis Stokes. And he was famously quoted saying that the first thing we learned when looking into the Warren Commission was that it never even considered the possibility of a conspiracy. So the whole Warren report since its infancy was to prove that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. It had to be that way. Um, it, it just had to be. So it has every single sign of a cover up. Uh, newspapers were reporting within an hour of the bullets being fired that Lee Harvey Oswald was the shooter. We had details, bi detailed biographies uh, about who Lee Harvey Oswald was. The very famous assistant press secretary who accompanied the Kennedy campaign was in an elevator with Lyndon Johnson at Parkland Memorial Hospital right after Kennedy had been killed. And he said, Mr. President, now that Kennedy had been killed, Lyndon Johnson was the next POTUS. He said, who killed Kennedy? And he said, the communist son. And then he said, what type of communists? And he said, the Soviet communist son. How did uh, Lyndon Johnson know immediately after uh, Kennedy was killed that the Soviet communists were behind this? Of course, uh, the CIA had most likely paid for and sent Lee Harvey Oswald to uh, the USSR uh, to deal with the Kremlin and the communists there. So it was a perfect fallout. He was a perfect patsy. He was a perfect scapegoat. Uh, to pull the trigger and take the fall for the assassination. And then the subsequent cover-up the Warren Commission and Mockingbird Media put together uh, was just uh, a disaster and a scam. And the the, the mental gymnastics that the Warren report uh, had to create to make this, this case, including what we dub the magic bullet theory, where one bullet goes through a back brace, Kennedy's neck, goes through Governor Connolly's ribs, goes through his wrist, goes through his thigh and lands there, uh, which they find in a gurney at the hospital in perfect condition. Uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Anybody who shoots guns knows that you can control a bullet like an RC helicopter. <laughs> so they do all these crazy things, ignoring key witnesses, um, not taking uh, crucial evidence. So it is a cover-up. It still is a cover-up. And uh, people need to expose it for what it is. Yeah. And uh, before we end today, I hope we'll talk a little bit more about some of those documents that have not been declassified. But so... <laughs> Talk to us about what happened to America uh, in the aftermath of this. I mean, I, I sometimes wonder, you know, when a new president comes in, does, does, does the evildoers call him into a smoky room <laughs> and show him a video of Kennedy being murdered? Say, hey, this is what's going to happen to you if you step out of line, right? So we're going to need you to pursue this trade agreement. We're going to need you to sign this legislation. We're going to need you to deploy troops to this country. And if you don't, it'd be a real shame if something happened to that nice skull of yours. Here's what happened to John F. Kennedy. Uh, I mean, what was the effect on America? What is the effect on, on Washington? D.C., presidential politics. How did that change our country? 
for my opinion, the biggest effect was just the presidency of Lyndon Johnson, who was himself just at one of the worst presidents America has ever had. We have the Great Society, which came as a result of his presidency, uh, the full unbridled, uh, unrestrained advance into the war in Vietnam, which cost America far more than money, cost us our reputation and our uh, lives of our young people. Uh, I think the consequence wasn't necessarily the death of Camelot, because Camelot is a little bit of a misnomer. It was a glorified um, state of time that people somewhat fantasize uh, that wasn't necessarily that way. But I think what it ultimately did, and this might be positive, uh, is that it did awaken Americans to the reality of a deep state, the reality of a military industrial complex, and the reality that a president can be assassinated for doing the will of the people. So I think there's a negative effect in the presidency of Lyndon Johnson and the subsequent Great Society and furtherment in uh, Vietnam that wouldn't have happened, in my opinion, if Kennedy would have stayed in office. But uh, also the doubling down uh, of Americans that, you know what, something's going on here that's not quite right. Yeah, it's uh, something's definitely going on here that's not quite right. And it's amazing to me that they were able to put out this idea that anyone who questions the silly Warren Commission is a conspiracy theorist. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, that's where the, the slander, the term originated. Um, but one of the things that I, I think you talk about in the article, I've read it several times, if not you and I have talked about it, was uh, Donald Trump, right? Donald Trump went into office and he promised he was going to declassify everything related to the JFK assassination. And then it didn't happen. Uh, and we know uh, that he spoke with Roger Stone. Uh, we know that he has spoken with others about what was in there. And um, tell us a little bit about that. And then, and then, of course, the Nixon angle, too. What did Nixon say that should cause us to be concerned? Yeah, so let's start with, with Roger Stone, who has spoken um, very heavily on the subject of the Kennedy assassination. He is somebody who can do it with authority because he was very close with Nixon. He was very close with Donald Trump and has received an inside uh, scoop to it. So Trump was supposed to release all the documents uh, during his presidency uh, in October of 2017, when in 1990s, Congress passed a JFK Information Release Act, which would have the president do that in 2017. He released 28 hundred documents, many of them with redactions at the direction of Mike Pompeo for national security hmm. uh, and intelligence reasons. Uh, but Roger Stone pressed Trump and said, why didn't you release the rest of them? And according to Stone, Trump said, I can't tell you it's so horrible you wouldn't believe it. One day you'll learn the truth. And Trump has since vowed to release everything. Nixon, when talking with Roger Stone in his D.C. Uh, apartment uh, over a couple of martinis, told Roger Stone that Dallas killed Kennedy. And uh, Stone said, what do you mean Dallas killed Kennedy? And Nixon supposedly looked into his martini and said, the only difference between Lyndon Johnson and I in wanting to be president was that I wasn't willing to kill for it. Uh, and Lyndon Johnson was. That is what Nixon said, according to uh, Roger Stone, who was very intimately close to Richard Nixon. So I think what we have here is a deep state foul play. I think there is an element to it where the CIA does come to the president since they've done this to Trump, they've done this to Biden, uh, and they've said, you know what, we can't release all these documents because it's going to reveal our, our modes of operation, it's going to reveal our, our ways and means, and, and they get some sort of a pitch. But ultimately, most people who were involved in this assassination are dead, 
And even if it does reveal the ways and means of the CIA, I say to that, good. Yeah. We need to see the ways and means of how you killed a president if, in fact, you did. So the American people are entitled to that information. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, we're down to just a couple minutes left, Andrew. Uh, what is the relevance of this to Americans today? I mean, this literally happened 60 years ago. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are just like, well, you know, this let, let the poor man rest in peace. Should we just leave it alone? We're probably never going to know. Um, what should we be doing? What should we be thinking? And why is this still so important 60 years later? Absolutely. First of all, it has nothing to do with Kennedy. And that was really my why behind writing the articles, not a, because of a fetish uh, for the presidency of Kennedy, but it's because of a, um, a disdain for the bureaucracy in the deep state, which has controlled this country's politics. We're supposed to live in a representative republic that's of, by, and for the people under a constitutional system, that government derives its just powers from the consent of the governed, that we have inalienable rights given to us by God and not from government. And these deep staters who want to play God, basically, uh, say, you know what? No, you elect this president or you try to elect this president. We're going to steal an election. You know what? You happen to get him elected. We're going to kill him if he does something that steps out of line from the global conspiracy or the global uh, desires of these elites and these control oligarchs, if you want to call it that, to borrow a term from a popular new book. Um, it It's not right. And it's not in the spirit of this country or our constitution. So the relevance for America today is we need to wake up and smell the coffee that our constitutional republic is not much of a republic right now. It's a tyranny uh, and a tyrannical system that's run by a very masked group of elites. And it's time for us to take back the levers of power. And the Kennedy assassination can be a launching point for coming to that understanding. Excellent. Um, real quick, uh, 20 seconds, RFK Jr. Is he going to continue JFK's legacy? Is he a real threat to the establishment? I think he is. And I think the pulling away from the two-party system is a big threat uh, because any independence from the uh, root of the machine is dangerous to them. So don't agree with everything he says, but it's definitely uh, a great step in the right direction to claim independence from the du two-party duopoly, which has a chokehold on this country. Absolutely. And folks, so we did interview RFK about Anthony Fauci and the fascism and the takeover of our country by this fascist big government, big uh, corporation hybrid system. So go back and check those out. It's all at The New American. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your insights. Thank, thank you for writing this article. Fantastic work. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Conversations That Matter, folks. This is such an important issue. It's such an important issue. 60 years later, if you haven't read this, it means you're probably not a subscriber, and uh, you should be. Go to thenewamerican.com. Sign up for the magazine. Some of these are available online for free, but a lot of it's behind a paywall. We've got to pay the bills. We've got to keep the writers fed uh, so that we can keep producing more content like this. But uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Andrew is uh, one of our young, uh, excellent writers who's uh, just doing so much good work. It's an honor to have him. And folks, really, JFK assassination, it may have happened 60 years ago, but uh, it is just as important that we figure out who did this and why so that we can move forward as a country, so that we can reclaim self-government, so that we can reclaim our constitutional republic. Get to thenewamerican.com, subscribe to the magazine, subscribe to our free daily headlines, go to Rumble, make sure you're getting access to all of our video content, make sure you're tuning into our nationally syndicated radio programs, and thanks again for watching. I'm Alex Newman, Senior Editor at The New American Magazine. This is Conversations That Matter. Until next time, God bless you all.